In this episode of the Church Security Roll Call, we're going to be discussing sheltering from storms, disasters, and killers. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Chris with the Sheepdog Church Security Academy, and this is your Church Security Roll Call. Today we're going to be discussing the article, Run for Cover. If you would like to read that article, go to our website, sheepdogchurchsecurity.net, and look under the News tab. So let's begin in the Bible. This verse is Psalm 31, verse 20, and it reads like this. In the cover of your presence you hide them from the plots of men. Good verse for us today because we're going to be talking about the seeking cover in times of danger. And of course, this uh, this verse talks about seeking cover in God's presence. And hopefully, we're doing both of those things, right? We're relying on God and we're also taking practical steps to fulfill His will. A good example I like to bring up all the time is this, is when the future King David was about ready to face Goliath, He was fully trusting in God while he also went down and picked up some stones for his sling. And that's what we're all about here is, hey, we are relying on God to protect us in his presence. We are covered. But at the same time, you know, we take action. We participate in God's will. And uh, one of the news stories that I have for you is really going to touch on that because it's a pretty amazing story. So this first news story is from um, Megalia, California, November 9, 2018. The campfire, which proved to be the deadliest wildfire in California history, moved rapidly through mountain communities, devastating entire towns. 30 people fleeing the flames had gathered in the Meg... I'm going to say it wrong. Megalia Pines Baptist Church. The pastor had them get into their cars, SUVs, and vans to caravan out of town to safer areas. However, it was too late. Before they could get on the road, the surrounding woods erupted in a firestorm. The pastor herded them back into the church and closed the doors. All the windows and vents were already closed. As the buildings uh, around them uh, burst into flames and propane tanks across the street exploded, they prayed. The church building was undamaged. All inside were safe and well. So obviously in this case, you know, definitely God intervened and protect those people. I mean, that's a, that's the what I get from reading that news article anyway. I mean, what great uh, kind of a miracle going on there. But not only that is this, is yes, God, once again, God's presence protecting us. But at the same time, I imagine, I guess I don't know this, I imagine if you talk to those people and you talk to the pastor, um, they would have much uh, much preferred to evacuate about an hour earlier than what they tried. And that's what we are. Um, we're, we're trusting in God and we're taking actions. You know, I think about, you know, how many times, we probably don't know how many times we've been saved by God's grace. But at the same time, we also know that God uses his people to, to perform his will. And so you might be that person that saved someone's life and they never know the the work that you put in or even know that it was you. They just know that everything worked out and they were saved. And so that's what sheepdogs are all about. So let's get into some of these other news stories that I have for you. Uh, Next one is Mississippi, March 24, 2023. Uh, EF4 tornado ripped across the central Mississippi 
on the night of March 24th. Warnings left residents little time to seek cover. A family belted inside a cab of a truck survived winds rolling the vehicle over until it came to rest on its top. Them thanking for strong roll bars. Thanking God for strong roll bars. Um, people made it through by hiding in bathrooms and closets while the twister tore their houses apart. Um, some did manage to get into basements and storm shelters in time. AccuWeather, which is uh, a weather source, had some tornado advice. The senior air uh, on-air meteorologist Jeff Cornish explained knowing the acronym of DUCK. And so DUCK stands for, and I don't remember ever hearing this before, it's pretty good. So it's DUCK. Um, D, uh, get down to the lowest level. U, get under something sturdy. C, cover your head. K, keep in the shelter until the storm has passed. Uh, more than 25 people were killed, including um, some mobile home residents. That's from that March 24th tornado. Um, East Palestine, Ohio, February 3rd, 2023. We've all heard of this. A train derailment in the village of East Palestine released toxic liquids and gases into the waterways and air of the town and neighboring areas of Ohio and Pennsylvania. Officials in both states called for those people who didn't have to who didn't have to evacuate to shelter in place. All right. Um, El, Pas El Paso, Texas, February 6, 2023. When an armed person was reported at the Franklin High School in El Paso at 11.25 a.m., the school went into lockdown. This lasted until the suspect was arrested uh, um, away from the school grounds a little before 1 p.m. However, with, the secure, with, a secure, um, uh, with security in place under a, a abundance of caution, no one was permitted to leave or enter the school until the police called and all clear. So a lot of these stories is talking about seeking shelter, having shelter in these types of crisis situations. And what I want to do today, and it's going to be a review for most of you, is this, is I want to talk about basic sheltering plans for different kinds of disasters. And even though it is going to be a review for most of you, what you need to do is you need to get to a place where you just know these things. And they just come right off the tip of your tongue anytime you're asked a question. Because I don't know what your experiences are, but... Um, as a safety team member, you're seen as an authority on safety and emergency situations. And so people um, will likely come up to you and ask you, hey, what should I do if, and whatever it is. And we really need to be readily available with an answer and tell them, yeah, it's very simple. It's this, that, and the other thing. And so that's what we're going to cover is this, that, and the other thing. So you can give an answer when asked. All right. So let's first talk about tornadoes. This is where that duck comes in, right? Um, it's a good acronym for us. But essentially what it comes down to is this. Is the best storm shelters are the best storm shelters are actually storm shelters that are made that way, but also it includes basements, right? We want to get as low as we possibly can. So if there's a basement, we're going into it. If there's a tornado shelter, we're getting into it. In the absence of those, we're getting to the lowest floor that we possibly get on. So the first floor, the ground floor. And then we're going towards the, the interior of the church, the centermost area. 
Now, hopefully that's gonna be someplace that there are no windows and that their ceiling spans are very narrow. So one of the biggest mistakes that you can actually do is having your congregation stay, staying within that sanctuary, that gymnasium style room, because there's not the structural support that you need for a tornado hitting it. it you, a lot of times, if you've seen past pictures of like schools and churches and stuff, you'll see that the roof is just blown right off and even then collapsed in onto that that large area. So we want to get out of those areas. We want to be someplace like hallways and interior classrooms and those kind of things because you're going to have more walls creating more support to the ceiling and, of course, everything else. And then, of course, um, the other thing that you have to consider, and this is not always something that we can um, affect, but if you have that storm shelter, you want doors that open in and it's instead of opening out. And the reason that is, is if the building collapses around you and you have a door that opens out, if there's debris and bricks and whatever else on the other side of the door, obviously you can't get out. Now you're trapped inside your storm shelter. So a specifically made storm shelter will often have doors that open in. And so then if you open it up and there's nothing but rubble there, at least you can start moving the rubble away and you can basically dig yourself out. So that's the tornado response. Next one, toxic air. So this goes with that train derailment. That goes with many train derailments. I saw something not too long ago that they, you know, they're kind of bringing to attention that, you know, this, this East Palestine um, train derailment that had the toxic spill and it, it almost seemed like it was a rare event, only because the media doesn't report on it. I saw one statistic, and I, I hope I'm getting this right, but they said there, there's just under 1,500 derailments every single year. Now, not all of those have our chemical spills, obviously, but that's how many occur. That's quite a bit. So if your church is, or even your home for that matter, is near a railroad track, you have to at least account that, hey, this is, this is a risk that we have here. And if it includes hazardous materials, and depending on the way the air moves, um, you know, is blowing that day, there could be a widespread area affected by chemicals. And so as churches, we have to have this plan. It might be something like your all alert radio, you know, from your NOAA radio goes off and lets you know hey, there's been a chemical spill and everybody in this direction could be affected because of the wind. That could happen to you at your home. That could happen to you at your church. And so what do you do? So the first thing is we want, unless they're calling for an immediate evacuation, they're either, they're either going to call for that or what they're going to call for is the shelter in place. So what does that look like? That For one, that means get everybody inside, right? So if there's a Sunday school class or kids outside, they need to come in as soon as possible. Uh, bring your pets in. That's obvious. Um, that's more at home. I don't know how many bring their pets to church with them. But anyway, bring your pets in. Lock all the doors and windows for a better seal. So I don't know if you've noticed this, but a lot of met locking mechanisms do actually hold doors and windows tightly secure. It kind of helps compress those weather seals to uh, get a better seal. Anyway, so make sure you lock all those. 
turn off the air conditioner, the furnace, basically fans. Um, any sort of HVAC system needs to be shut down because a lot of them are drawing in uh, fresh air from the outside. And so we want to stop that from occurring, right? We don't want that contaminated air to get sucked into the building. Um, if you have a fireplace, once again, this is probably more homes, you're closing that off. Um, next, if you have duct tape and plastic, seal around doors and windows if you have those things available. I imagine a lot of churches have a utility room. You know, that might be at minimum. Maybe that's a great place to keep several rolls of duct tape. Duct tape is, you know, is the miracle cure for lots of things. So why not keep some of it available so you can go around those, at least around the seams of doors and windows to add to keeping that um, toxic air out. Um, next thing is just continuing to monitoring that NOAA radio, that all alert radio for um, information. A lot of us have cell phones um, we might even have television available, those kind of things. We want to be monitoring, using as many monitoring devices as we have uh, to keep abreast of what's going on. Um, the medias can be good and helpful in that way, but I like my official source from the NOAA radio. But sometimes it helps, especially if you're watching it on a screen, it helps to see, you know, the, the, the news media might show you a map and show you the cloud that's and where it's traveling and it helps you make decisions on what you need to do. The other thing is don't drink tap water. So this is a good time to have some sort of water supply, you know, water bottles, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, some churches have coffee bars and, and sodas and bottled water for sale. You know, that's a good thing. You can kind of distribute that and get people using that instead of the thing that's coming out of the tap because that could be contaminated. All right, next one that we want to get into is active killers. Just real quick on lockdown and lockout procedures. So let's cover lockout procedure because three out of four violent incidents at church starts outside. So if you just have a good lockout procedure, you're going to close off three out of four bad guys, you know, to, to make it super simple. But you get what I'm saying. Three out of four. So what does that include? I highly recommend a safety posture. A safety posture includes that all exterior doors are always locked. Now that doesn't mean we're closing out our guests and visitors. It means that somebody's working that locked door, opening it for people, shaking hands, kissing babies, doing everything we want to do at the church. And, uh, and they're there. So there's no problem with traffic coming in and out. Then... If there is an emergency, you know, somebody comes sliding in sideways and, you know, in their pickup truck and they jump out with a rifle and start walking towards the front door, all right, that's bad news. All we have to do is get out of the way of the door, let the door shut, make sure it's locked, and we've slowed that person down. Now, I will add, you know, we all saw the shooting of the church, um, the, the, church, uh, the school um, connected to that church, and... One of the things that really come out in that is how important it is to have shatterproof glass or even you can retro put a cover on them. It's a plastic cover. And what it does, now it doesn't make the glass bulletproof. It doesn't do that at all. What it does prevent though is a rock or a weapon that shoots through it. It's not shattering out and so they can easily get in. Instead, it's poking little holes 
Still dangerous if you're on the other side, downrange from those bullets flying, but it slows them down so they can't get inside the building. So that's the lockout procedure. We want to make sure that we can lock things down quickly. If your church does not allow you, for whatever reason, not to have those doors locked, then it's up to you to figure out if there's an emergency, how fast can we get those doors locked down? So if it requires a key, do we issue keys to everybody on the safety team? And then in case of a lock, uh, a lockout, everyone has their door to run to, to lock it as soon as possible. Maybe that's the plan, but you need one. Okay, um, lockdown. Now this is when classrooms and offices are also now being shut and locked. Once again, a safety profile or safety posture would include that all of those doors are always in a locked position. Um, as far as fire code, and I should have mentioned this earlier, as far as fire code is concerned, they, they do create classroom lock sets. And the way they work is the outside handle is locked, so somebody outside the room can't open the door using the handle. But on the inside, that's always unlocked. So in the case of a fire, they could easily get out. There is no hamper there. A lot of things for the exterior doors will have the breaker bars or the push bars to open them up. Those doors are locked from the outside or can be locked from the outside, but you're always able to escape the building when you need to. Um, but going back to classrooms, we would prefer for all those doors to always be locked. And now we can do different things to wedge it open for people coming and going or however the classroom wants to operate. Um, public schools would use different things that would cover the strike plate and or a little a stopper that the door doesn't close all the way and all you have to do is take out that stopper and it shuts. I like the spring-loaded kickstands, for lack of a better term. You know, the door stops with the spring in them. The reason I like them is this, is you can open up the door and push down that little kickstand, and the kickstand holds the door open while it's touching the floor. But all you have to do is hit, hit the door just ever so slightly, and that kickstand will flip up out of the way, and the door shuts. And I think that's a great way for convenience, but also the door is locked. So if there's an active shooter, boom, shut that door. Other things that have to happen in that classroom or that office is this, is lights should be turned off. If it has any sort of windows, um, curtains should be pulled, blinds should be closed. Um, I said turn off the lights then um, we want to turn off any electronic equipment. So if you have a TV or a radio, even cell phones, anything that makes could make noise or is making noise, those need to be turned off or at least put into silent mode. And then you're dispersing around the room. You're hiding. Now I get, depending on the construction of your church, maybe you only have sheetrock and tables and chairs in a room. Obviously, none of that stuff is considered cover, meaning it's not going to stop bullets. But that doesn't mean that concealment is still not a good idea. You're hiding around, even if you're just hiding behind a, a simple bookshelf. That's not going to stop bullets, but it hides you from the bad guy seeing you. So they can't just, they're not aiming at you. They just have to spray wildly and hope they hit somebody if they make it into the classroom. So seeking concealment and or cover around the classroom is the next step. Then, of course, calling 911, 
leaving the 911 um, line open so they can hear what's going on. You don't have to necessarily talk to them because you don't want to give away your position, um, but they can they can hear what's going on. Um, and so that's the other thing that you can do. All right, next one, wildfires. Obviously, in the case of a wildfire, the best thing to do is actually evacuating, right? If if the if if your town is burning up and all the trees are burning up, you don't want to be like this pastor and those 30 people that held out at that church um, because it can be too late. Now, God protected them and they all survived. That's awesome. But we need to heed the warnings of our of the, the people in the know. The officials are saying, hey, you should evacuate. Then you should highly consider evacuation. And you want to evacuate sooner than later. Your safety in these conditions is not in a fireproof box. It's over the river, through the woods, to grandmother's house, right? It's getting away from it. But other than that, we can talk about what some of the churches that survived this start. Um, so let me go back to that campfire thing. Um, so three Baptist churches in the area um, um, torched by the campfire were still standing after the firestorm. Street views of the, the Magna Pines Baptist Church, that's where the 30 people survived, um, indicate why it was unscathed. <laughs> Why? One of the reasons, other than God's protection, what did they do right? Number one, flame-resistant siding and roof. So it didn't have wood walls. It did not have wood shingles. I mean, everything was made to be fire-resistant. They had no open vents that would suck in hot air and or you know um, little embers that would start fires. The vents were closed. Um, doors and windows were closed. There were no shrubs around the building, so they did great. They did great um, job on keeping away uh, vegetation that could become fuel for a fire. They had all the shrubs um, removed from around the building. There was an open space around the building, so it was not too close to the trees. Once again, it's that defensible space. You cut back those trees, any trees that are kind of up next to each other and their branches intertwine. You don't want that because that's how fire goes from one to the next. So you, they had clear space of um, trees. Um, also here, they had, did not have trees of a highly flammable kind. Now, I cannot speak intelligently about a tree that's very flammable versus one that's not. Um, but people smarter than me know this, and um, I'm sure if you research your local area to make sure that you have native trees that are less likely to burn, do that research. Um, all right. And then no flammables stored next to the building. So there were things beyond God's protection that they had done, and it saved 30 lives. And that's something that we absolutely should do. So that's basically what I have for you today. Just real quick. And, and hopefully you can rattle these little details off anytime you're asked. And or any time it comes up that you're in a place where you can just it's that you should be that familiar with it. If some of this stuff was new to you and you're in a high risk for any one of these things, it's time to go back out to the property and figure out these things. How can we make it better? What if there's an active shooter? What if there's a tornado? What if it's a wildfire? What if it's a chemical spill? What's our plan and are we prepared for it? 
other than that, um, thank you so much for being here. If you like this video, like it. You know, give me a thumbs up. You know, make a comment to it. Share it with your friends. I kind of already skipped past this, but hey, share this with your team. Get the free download and talk about it with your team. Are you guys ready? Are you as prepared as you need to be for any one of these kind of disasters? And are these shelter plans in place and everyone knows what they are and how to enact that kind of, uh, you know, shelter in place uh, procedure should it come up? Other than I like, comment, all that good stuff. Thank you so much for that. So thank you so much for being here this week. And hey, let's be careful out there. This program is made for informational purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice.